Um, uh, man, I, you know what? Most of the time, I said the first service is usually pretty good. I got to say, but you know they're not here, so I'll go ahead and talk about them. Um, <laughs> I know there was like a whole hour earlier, but I was like, "Good Lord, I had to, I had to pray be like resurrection, life, like Lord, revive your people, Lord." <laughs> so I remind me next year when we do the spring forward thing, we're gonna have like large coffee pots out front for the first service before they come in, because man, it was. Woo! They woke up and they came to life after, you know, about midway through. But man, I'll tell you, it was, it was some, some drudgery and working through. And like, I had to encourage myself during the message. So thank you for being alive and, and active this morning. Amen. So I get to teach and I get to minister today, uh, Matthew seven twelve, which most of us are very, very, very familiar with. It's called uh, the golden rule. How many know what the golden rule is? Okay, we're going to quote it in just three, two, one. Amen. Let's do it again. Okay, we can go home. We could if we did it, right? If we only did it, we could go home. So this is, this is the golden rule. Um, I kind of put a little twist to it in my studies. We see something out of this verse that it is the law of the kingdom. This is the law of the kingdom. I want you to look at it a little bit differently. Just like the golden rule is just like, oh, it's the golden rule. You know, it's the golden rule. This is like the law of the kingdom. It's a little different when we bring the law into it. I don't know about you, but like as one who used to violate the law and see the consequences of the law and you see that, you know, you see those red and blue lights flashing. It, it's a whole different feeling than just like a normal car coming behind you. Right. So the law brings a little different touch to it. So I want us to see it that way. So in the ESV translation, it says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Amen. This is so awesome. Like we, we just said to do unto others as we'd have done to them, right? But we didn't quote, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the law and the prophets. Jesus put that whole thing into that. All the law, all the prophets, here's what it looks like. Now we can go home, right? No, almost, almost. The New Living Translation says it this way. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The golden rule is a little more important than we are giving it uh, credit in our lives, I believe. When, when Jesus said, not just, you know, a teacher, but Jesus, the God, the creator of the universe, says, this is the law and the prophets, that should get our attention. Like, that's like, whoa, it should stop us in our tracks, and we should put such credit on that that, like, it would be something we put in our mirror in our bathroom or we put on our door as we're getting ready to go out that, like, this is a big deal. Do unto others as if we, it's not just something that we do, like we want to teach when we're little. Like we go out, oh, it's a children's church thing that you learn. This is something that we should be doing every single day. It's what marks us as sons and daughters of the living God. Amen. It is the law of the kingdom. Amen. So a little introduction on the, uh, on this is I put the so-called golden rule is found. And this is very true. It's found in the negative form. In Judaism, so before Jesus said it, it was, it was taught, but it was taught in the negative form. It's found in Judaism. It's also found in the negative form in Hinduism. It's also found in the negative form in Buddhism. 
and Confucianism. And if I didn't say that right, you're lucky it came out that good. You can say it. It's not an easy word. Confucius says what? Confucianism. I think I said it right. I could be wrong. I've been wrong a couple times. When I think I am, I ask my wife and she'll straighten me out. But am I in trouble? Probably. No. <laughs> so in the negative form was this. Whatever you do not want done to you, do not do to others. That's what it had always been taught, and that's what it was always and still is to this day. Everywhere else, it's do whatever you don't want done to others, don't do it, or whatever you don't want done to you, don't do to others. Jesus flips it. This is my first point, and it will be the only point that's gone through today. Praise the Lord. Um, he is the ultimate 180. Jesus is the ultimate 180 master. I grew up in like skateboarding times, dirt bikes, bicycles, jumps, like. 180s are super cool. They're not easy, but like if you can master the 180, that was super cool. Like you're going, shh, shh, shh. that's awesome. Jesus is the ultimate master of the 180 or the reversal. Even Stephanie was talking about, and we can apply this, and it's very, very true. When the enemy says something to you, he's the father of lies. So if we're going to be like Christ, what do we do with that? We flip it. He do, do a 180 with it. If he says, you're not going to have enough this month, the truth is, you're going to have enough this month. If he says, you're not going to make it, that should encourage you because the truth is, you are going to make it. If he says, you're going to get the coronavirus and die, that should encourage you because the truth is, that's a lie. The opposite is the truth. So Jesus is always flipping things. He's the ultimate flipper. I remember I grew up with Flipper, and it was like, <laughs> right? Some of you who are just below my age, you don't know anything about that. You'll have to YouTube it, Google it, or do something to figure it out. But it was pretty cute, just saying. All right. Jesus is the master of the 180. So it said, whatever you do not want to do to others, do not do to them. It occurs in different forms in Greek and Roman ethical teachings, but Jesus states it in a positive form. And he says it sums up all of the law and the prophets. Very different than anyone else. Jesus, having swept away the traditions of the Pharisees as law or as providing righteousness. We've been through this journey of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, to this point, he is super cute, right? Jesus, to this point, has been sweeping away the traditions of the Pharisees and their teachings. He's just been sweeping them away. And we get to the point of the Sermon on the Mount that now he's done sweeping and really kind of dealing with the Pharisees. He's bringing, here's the laws of the kingdom He's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, and this is a huge part of it. He now describes the character of true righteousness. See, the Pharisees had been teaching what righteousness was to look like. He sums it up in this summary. Here's what true righteousness looks like. It's the golden rule. This is, summarizes all the law and all the prophets. A person who would be righteous must do for others what that person would want others to do for them if the situation was what? Flipped. He's always flipping things. So he's challenging us to come to a point that it's not about us. Now, this isn't an easy place to come to, but when you come to Christ, that's really the first step of it. If that doesn't happen, I don't know if you've met him. Hear me, church. He flips things. We come to him, and it's all about us. It's all about us. And we go to churches looking in that, that form. See, Jesus flipped it. Adam came and taught us all this stuff. And then Jesus come and flipped everything that Adam taught us. He flipped all of it. 
And it is so contrary to what we naturally come up with. We go to looking for churches to see if it's a loving church. Well, I wonder if they're this. I wonder if they're, they need, well, I went there and they weren't this. They weren't that. It's all about me, 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 me. I told the first, we did sing Jesus at the center of it all in the first service. And um, we'll do it next week because it'll probably be on that point. But I used to sing the song of his, Steve is at the center of it all. Steve is at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it'll always be, it's always been about me. Me. Nothing else matters. Everything revolves around me. Does that, does that sound like something that, like... See, when, when we come to Christ, it's Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. It's not about us anymore. But somehow we want to take Adam with us. And see, Adam died. Jesus came as the second Adam. And it's not my note, so praise the Lord. Jesus came as the second Adam, and he taught us a new teaching. He flipped it. He's the ultimate 180. Everything we learned, he flipped. It's no longer about us when he comes in because you know who it wasn't about when he was on the earth? He didn't teach us about it being about us. He taught us that it's about everyone else. John the Baptist got it. He said, I must decrease. He must increase. He prepared the way for him. He was preparing the way so that we would get that. But somehow, we've got it still messed up. We're letting Adam and our flesh teach us instead of letting Christ teach us. And he's trying to teach us. He's all, all the law and all the prophets are summed up in this. Do unto others as you would have done to you. That sums it all up. Now, that's easy to say. But how many like you know that it ain't easy to do? It's, it's not natural for me when someone comes up and slaps me across the face to go, that was awesome. Try this side. <laughs> but yet, see, Adam tells me they slapped you across the face, hit them so hard that they'll never, ever, ever think about hitting you again. Isn't that what Adam taught you? Or am I the only one who thinks that way? You're all, yeah, you're jacked up. Maybe true. But you had the same teacher. It, does, it comes natural to do that. It comes natural for us to, someone kicks you in the shins, you want to kick them back. Don't do that. Jesus flips it. He's always flipping it. I didn't need someone to grow up one to, and go, mine. They usually have kids. That's like one of the first things they do after they go, mama or daddy. The next thing, mine. The world revolves around them. And we grow up like that. And Jesus is like, not anymore. The world revolves around me and others. Because that Adamic person has to die. And what resurrects? Christ in us, the hope of glory. See, the world don't need me, and the world don't need you. They need Christ in me. Because the world had me, and believe me, I didn't like it, and neither did they. And guess what? I'm not special. When the world had you, you didn't like it, and the world didn't like you either. So we are all in that boat. We have to die with Christ so that we can resurrect. Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who what? Believes in me. Though they were dead, yet shall they live. It's different. It's resurrection. 
So in order for me to love others and to do unto them how I'd want to be done, I need his help. It don't come natural. So if I'm still operating in the me, 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 I'm wrong. It's off. Something's way wrong. So I got to go back to what is that? We don't, if you're looking for me, and I'll just be very, very blunt, like I'm not, but even more blunt. If you're coming to the church here and looking for me to meet your needs, it will never happen. You know why? I wasn't designed to meet your needs. There's one who is, and his name is Jesus, and it's not my name. My name's not Jesus. My name's Steve. Steve is dealing with all the same stuff that you are. Steve has to go to Jesus to have his needs met. I can't go to you, and you're not going to meet my needs. And guess what? I'm not going to meet your needs. But when you're in need, and I go, let's get our heads off of that to the one who will meet your needs, great things happen. That's my job. That's my job. And it's no different than your job. Because there's going to be times that I'm kicking rocks and stumbling, and you need to come up behind me, kick me in the rear end, and say, whose eyes are you on? Get your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the center of everything. And when we get our eyes on him, guess what happens? Good things happen. We get our eyes off of us. It's not about us. When we get saved, it, it transforms everything else. We, we're no longer broken. We're not broken. We're not broken when he comes in. He flips it. It's not possible. If you are still broken, if you still, I got to have a need. I need you to meet my needs. You haven't met him. Because your needs get met in him fully. There's no crack. There's no broken area that he doesn't mend. But we want to keep going to one another. Fix me, fix me. I need you. And, if, and I, I can never fulfill my wife's needs. She's never going to fulfill my needs. I can read all the books on her love languages. And when I do that now, and, or when I, she knows mine, now I've just put her on. See, now you know what they are. You didn't meet my needs and you knew. <laughs> or she goes, you know my love language. Am I right? In order for me to fully fulfill her, I have to be fully fulfilled by him. Amen. In order for us to, be, to reach out to them, we have to be full of him and be healed, entered. Yeah. So that we can be Christ to them. If we're still me, 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 broken, I got nothing to bring you except for brokenness, hurt, experience, shame, guilt, all the other stuff that came before him. Because when he comes to those, he doesn't leave us there. He's the resurrection and the life. We become new creations. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And you can say, well, pastor, that sounds good, but I'm not there. Get there. Die again. Die again. Recognize that that is not in him, so therefore, it's not in me. When you look at Jesus, he is what? The author and the finisher of what? Our faith. So if we look at Christ, and it's not in him, we can very easily go, it shouldn't be in me. And I'm not talking about addiction or any of those other things. I'm talking about unforgiveness, shame, Guilt, fear, none of that is in Christ. So it's not natural for it to be in me. If it's in me, it's not natural. 
That came from sin. That came from Adam, my old father. Right? The natural man. That's where it came from. But righteousness, peace, joy, love, forgiveness, all comes through Christ. And he is who is living through me and out of me and you. Amen? Amen. He wants to flip it. It ain't normal to stay there. We'll hear people come, well, I, I, I don't know. That church wasn't very loving. Well, I know that church, they weren't really this. That church wasn't, well, if you were there, it should have been. That's a little different, ain't it? What did you bring? Because guess what? If Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and you showed up in the room, the room's atmosphere should change. But if you show up in yourself, and I, well, I'm broken, I'm hurt, I'm this, I need. We're never going to meet that need. I mean, I will love you, I will pray for you, but there's going to come a time that, you know what, I'm a human, there's limits. There is no limit in him. That's why I didn't die on a cross for you. Jesus did. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who resurrected. He's the center of it all. He is the author and the finisher. It's all about him from beginning to end. All creation is held together by him. It's all about him. Not about me so much. Now I hear you, but you're our pastor. You're darn right. I'm your pastor and I'm to lead you and guide you to him. To him. I don't got a secret phone number. I don't have a secret verse that when I just read that verse and push it, it goes, bling, everything's better. I have to do the same thing you do. Get the word in me. Stand on the truth. Allow the faith to be built up in me. Hunger and thirst for righteousness so that I will be filled. And as I do that, I'm saying, let's do it. Come on. Let's look at him. I don't know what the answer is. He does. He is the answer. Every time. That was all free. All through the Sermon on the Mount, he's flipping it. He said, you've heard it said, but I say, and I'm building up to a point at the end, don't worry. He's flipping it constantly. You've heard it said, but I say. He's the master of this flipping thing. It's so amazing. He said, like, you've been taught. Hate your enemies. But I say, love them. See, that ain't normal for us. It's normal for me to say, you hate me, I hate you back. That's easy. I need Jesus when you say, I hate you. I go, I love you. I love you. And I mean it. I don't just say it. Because you could go, I love you. And you go, what a freaking jerk. (laughs) He knows our thoughts. But when you mean it, I know. And I get so excited. Oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. It's like as exciting as healing. When something like that happens, and it don't happen all the time, so I get super excited when, like, I hate you, you're a jerk, and I'm like, oh, bless them, Lord. They're broken, right? It's him living through me, and I see, you know what, they're hurt, they're broken. Lord, touch them. They need to be whole. And then I'm like, that was you! Oh, that was you! I'm so excited! You're coming out of me! How many of you guys have that happen? You're like... Oh, that was amazing, Lord. I know that was you because I want to smack him. (laughs) That's him coming alive through you. It's a beautiful thing. We celebrate that, right? 
He flipped it all the time. The Pharisees would go out and they would pray and they would walk around in the public. Oh, mighty God. They're getting all this attention. Just like flips it. Go in the secret place and pray so no one sees you. The Pharisees were going and, and putting their change in the trumpets and their money and so that they'd be seen. It's all about me. Jesus saying, give in secret so no one can see it. He's flipping it all the time. He's the master of it. He tells, he tells them, don't store up treasures on earth. Where are we to store them? In heaven. I mean, he, he messes with us. Does God, does he not mess with you? I mean, he tells those who are, you're naked. I mean, you need clothes. I've never been that spot. I've been where there's not as much, or I didn't have the ones I wanted. Hungry, no food. Thirsty. Says, what are you worried about? Seek first the kingdom. He's constantly flipping it. He's the master of it. Now, how do we do it? Don't worry about today. Seek first the kingdom. That's what he's, he's always, get your mind off of this. Get your mind off of you. Get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes on the kingdom. He knows. See, he's able to see value and see things so differently than we do. That's why we need him. Because I see the natural. He sees through the realm of the supernatural. He's superior to nature. He's superior to it. He sees through a different lens and a different set of eyes. And thank God for that. If we would tune ourselves into him, we get to see through his. We get to hear through his. Amen? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. It is hot in here. Did someone pray that I'd be on fire? <laughs> I'm going to have you pray for a few more things. It's working. There's a story that Jesus shares of this rich man, and he comes to him. And I see a little thing into this I hadn't really noticed before. Some of you may have seen it way, be way before me, and it's probably true. Probably, you probably have. I see there's this pride in this young man. And, and how Jesus responds, he flips it. He, he sees Jesus. He wants to follow him. And he says, well, what must I do? What do I got to do? So Jesus brings him the law. He says, well, you must love God with all your heart, honor your father and mother. You must... He says, oh, I've done all those things since I was young. Okay, so, so Jesus responds in, in verse 20 and 21. He says, the, the rich young ruler says, I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? Listen to what Jesus tells him. He says, if you want to be perfect, that tells me that the young man thought he was perfect. He thought he had it all dialed in. Jesus says, you want to be perfect? He goes right to the heart. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. He flips it on them. You want to be perfect? You got pride? You got all this stuff? See, we see it. He flips it. Now go take all that stuff that you're so proud of and you think you've got it all together and go give it away to the poor. Then you'll have where? Treasures where? In heaven. You know what the young man did? He said, and then come follow me. He says, the young man went away very sad. He wasn't willing to flip it. Sometimes God will ask us to, to us to flip some things. I want you to flip this. You've been doing this. Now flip it. Now I can tell you, it's not always easy, but it's always good. Amen. He's going to ask us 
He's going to ask us to step out in faith at times. He's going to, he's going to require us to, to do some things. God is so good that he knows how to flip and how and who it needs what. He comes and he brings to the self-righteous, to the proud. He came and brought the law. And he said, here's your measurement. You think you're perfect? Here's this. But I'm so, so grateful that when those of you like me who knew we weren't perfect, here's what he comes and brings. We, we would think, and this is how man does, you've messed up, we're going to bring the law. But what does Jesus do? He flips it and he brings grace. He's the master of flipping it. And I'm so, so excited that he does it. How many of you, before the Lord, you were ashamed? You were full of guilt? You, were, you felt that unrighteous? And what did Jesus do? He flipped it. He says, I remove all your guilt. I take all your shame. I declare you righteous in my sight. I see you as if you've never sinned. You are holy. You're set apart. You are the apple of my eye. You are pure. He flips it. I brought shame, guilt, sin, death, a list of priors, 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 prior, 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 prior. I brought nothing to the table. He shouldn't have picked me, but he did. He flipped it. He's the master of flipping. He, he will tell us to do some crazy stuff like, so you're feeling depressed. So you're feeling put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you want to go, I mean, I don't know if you've been like, you want to go like, what? I don't feel like it. I don't feel like putting on the garment of praise. I don't feel like I want to do that. He said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Flip it. He's the master of it. He knows we need to do that. How many's done that? It don't make no sense. You're like, you get this news, you get this, and the Holy Spirit's like, just begin to praise. We're like, no, I don't want to do that. And then you start kind of half-heartedly. <laughs> Pretty soon you start feeling a little bit of life, and you get a little, okay. Before long, woo, glory. You flipped it. He knows what he's doing. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. We're going to, let's see, verse 44 and 46. Jesus is sharing that Basically, he starts teaching about the least of these. See, what, what men think is important, where we put value and where God puts value, it's so different. Jesus begins to speak on the least of these, and he says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. And he begins to bless some folks because they were taking care of those who were hungry, those who were thirsty, those who were in prison, those who were weary. And Jesus begins to flip it. Watch what he does. He says, then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you. And he will tell you, I, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. He sees things so differently than we do. See, he knows that we all, every single one of us and every single one of us outside the walls and every um, child molester, 
And we go, ooh. Every Satanist, every person that in our mind that we can put so far from God, he sees his image. He sees his image. He sees his image. We don't see that. We see all this stuff. Jesus sees his image. That's why he said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. He flips it. We in the natural want to go take care of all the, the rich, the pretty, those who've got all the stuff. Let's get you a good seat. Jesus says, but when you did it to the least of these, that's when you did it to me. He flips it. It's going to require him in order for us to do it right. It's going to require him for us to see how he sees. Because he sees with an entirely different value system than we do. See, I value those who love me. I value those who are kind to me. I value those who look like me. Let's get real. Jesus sees every single one of us on the planet like him. He joined us, humanity. It's a, different, it's a whole different system. He, go, he goes on, and, and as he's wrapping up, he teaches this in a whole other way, and he says, in the last day in my kingdom, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He's constantly flipping it. And you're going, Pastor Steve, you've said that about a thousand times. I'm still not done. Just get ready. You're going to get flipped back and forth, one side or the other. You know why? Because that's what he wants us to see. He's teaching this whole, all the law and the prophets, he flips this thing. And it's, I don't want us to miss it. We have to see this. There's a parable in Luke chapter 7. It's not a parable, it's a story that actually happened. He, Jesus gets invited to dinner by a, a, a Pharisee. And, and he comes in, the Pharisee doesn't, doesn't greet him really, doesn't kiss him, doesn't anoint his feet, doesn't wash his feet, doesn't take care of him. He sits down and he eats. And the, this woman comes, this very immoral woman, it's noted by the Pharisee, comes and begins to sit behind Jesus and, and weep over his feet and washes her, her, his feet with her hair and anoints his feet with an alabaster box of oils and, and just a beautiful scene. Now the Pharisee says in his thoughts, he doesn't know who that woman is. If he knew who that woman is, he would never let him, her touch him. How many of you know that he knows our thoughts? Oh, my Lord. How many's had this experience like me where you're sitting down with Jesus praying? We're talking. We're talking. And sometimes we say things we really don't mean. Or we say something and he goes, yeah, but how about this? And he just, he just doesn't, it's like he doesn't even address that. He just speaks to what our thought was. And we go, oh, you are the Christ, the Messiah. <laughs> right? You are for real. This is what he does with this man. He reads his thoughts. He perceives that's what he's saying. And he begins to set some things straight. He flips things. Jesus is so good at that. He goes on to say that, you know, he gives him this question. He goes, can I ask you a question? The Pharisee says, sure, sure. He thinks it's going to be a good thing. And he says, say that I, I, that I borrowed, or I, I loaned out 500 pieces of silver to one, and I loaned out 50 pieces of silver to another, and both parties weren't able to pay me, so I forgave them. Who do you think would love me the most? And the Pharisee says, well, of course, the one who you've forgiven the biggest debt. And Jesus continues on with this. He says, so I tell you, 
Her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. Now that goes against everything that we would think in the natural. We would think that the Pharisee is able to bring all this love to the Lord. And he's righteous. He's the one who loves the Lord the most. And Because look, look at him. He's telling everyone all about it. And Jesus says, you know that one who's done all those things? They've been forgiven much. And she loves much. He flips it, church. Whatever you think is your disqualifier probably is your qualifier. All the things that in the natural... See, here's what I know. If you got to consult with God, which we so want to do, but he doesn't listen a whole heck of a lot. But if he was just saying, you know, I'm going to do some consulting and I'm going to talk to some folks that knew me in the past. And he's like, well, what do you think about this guy? I would not, there would be no one in their right mind would say, yeah, I think that's a sound decision. You, you should put him in charge of a church. <laughs> this couple over here knows me, they, or they knew me. They would say yes and amen. That does not seem like a good plan, did it? No. No one who had like an IQ above five would say, that's a good idea. And guess what? Jesus did the same thing with his followers and his disciples. He sees things so differently. I mean, he chose disciples that he even empowered. And their plan was like, should we call down fire from heaven and swallow them up? And Jesus is like, I mean, I would be like, Okay, so, so here's the thing. If, if I had a couple pastors on our staff, we probably would have to have a talk and they probably wouldn't be on the staff anymore. Like if that was their plan, like, hey, Pastor Steve, what do you think? Should we just go like murder half the congregation? Because they're really stupid. <laughs> Let's just call down fire from heaven. I'll say, you know, Pastor David, he would never do it, so I'll use Pastor David. Pastor David, um, we need to talk. Jesus flips it. Jesus goes... Here's the keys to the kingdom. He gives them the keys to the kingdom. It don't make sense. He knew they were going to go like, oh, we screwed up. Um, we probably should make decisions on our own. Right? You think that's what they thought? After he's like, you want to do what? Oh, yeah, that was probably that. You know what they never did again? They never came up with that idea. You know what? We should call fire down from heaven and just swallow them up. A lot of times the things that we think are going to disqualify us, qualify us. He flips it. Now, I'm not saying you got to go do stupid stuff so God can use you. <laughs> just saying that it might actually, he can flip it. He's the master of it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 8 through 10. This is a verse that this, I don't have to. I wish that someday we will. We'll get into this and really tear it apart. But um, this messes with a lot of people in the church. And, and I'm not going to get into that part. I just want you to see something beautiful out of this. Um, this is Paul. He's, he's finishing up his second letter to the Corinthians. What we think is the second letter anyways. And uh, he says it this way in verses 12, 8 through 10. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. What's he talking about? The thorn in the flesh. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? That is the ultimate flip, church. That's the ultimate flip. We do not think power works best in what? Weakness. We want 
strong. I mean, when you go to look for, you know, help and you're like, I need someone to work in my house. If you brought this guy who's like five foot and he's very, very skinny, or you bring a six foot five dude that's like ripped, like you're like, I want him. Right? Am I, the, am I crazy? That's the natural. I want the strong one. I want that. That's how we pick. He flips it. I'm going to really mess with your head for a minute. I don't know if this is true, but I believe it's true, so it's true to me. We see Samson. I've always seen Samson as like 6'8", at least, about 325, 350, just ripped. Just a rock. Like, one of those dudes you're walking by, you're like, and I'm going to go this way. Like, I don't know if he's good or bad, but he could eat me, so I'm going to go this way. You, I always teach, I've taught my kids, you should only be afraid of things that can eat you. I don't fear too many people. Jenny has a, a cousin who, um, he is big. He's one of those people, like, he fills up a door. And literally, when the, when the kids were little, like, it was so funny that he, he'd come in and they'd go, whoa. <laughs> and honestly, I do the same thing. You're like, whoa, that's a big man. I got to go to the Raider game with him one time. Oh, dude, it was so awesome. I'm like, I got my big brother with me. <laughs> I'm just saying, I might have got a little bit louder than normal. <laughs> Go ahead. Got big brother. Just saying. That's the picture we see of Samson. I don't believe that was Samson. Here's why I think that. God's power is used best in what? Weakness. See, they didn't know what his, where his strength came from. They had no idea. They tried all these different things. Where's the strength? They would know if it was like, it's right there. Did you see that bicep? It's 23 inches. Like, there's his strength. It's kind of obvious. Are you blind? Oh, no, it's in his hair. What? If he was six foot eight and 250 pounds, when they cut his hair, you know what he would have done when they came after him? Hulk smash. Right? He'd have done that in his strength. Don't you like that part when Hulk smash? I always do. I'm like, oh, I love it. <laughs> but Samson wasn't able to do that because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. He flips it. A few more flips and then we're going to close. How many of you are so happy that before you met the Lord and you were blind, but now you what? See. You were blind and now you see. How many before, before him, you'd open the Bible and you're like, that's a bunch of gibberish. And then he comes in, you're like, this is amazing. He wrote this for me. He flips it. How many of you were like me? You were stuck in the mud and the mire, sinking. And he comes into your life and he flips it. Poof, solid rock. Or maybe you were in the pit of despair. And he's like, I'm going to take you from the pit to the palace. Yes, That's what he does. He flips it. He did that with Joseph. He did that with David. David's the little run out with the sheep. I want you to go kill that giant. Okay, sir. He wasn't like huge ripped. He's like, all right. He used the weak thing to take out the strong thing. He's always flipping it. We were dead in sin, but now... Alive in Christ. I was filthy and dirty and full of guilt, shame, and now I'm righteous and holy 
and a son, pure. Flips it. He sees value so different. So, so different. I want you to, to look at a passage of scripture with me and we're closing. Matthew chapter 13, 44 through 46. I've loved this passage for a long time. It's a parable that Jesus spoke of. And we can see ourselves here like so often. He says, the kingdom of heaven, it should be on the screen. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hiding in a field in his excitement. He hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Isn't that what happens with us? Isn't that what we do when we find him? I remember that, discovering that, like, is this true? Could this be? Oh, I'm all in if this is so. Verse 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Is that what we do when, like, I, I have so loved that, that passage of scripture and it's ministered to me, and I know it's ministered to you, but I read a book not too long ago, and I saw where Jesus flipped it. We need to see how it really is. Here's the truth. You are that pearl. We don't normally see it that way. You are the pearl of great value. If you read this, how, how it's read... He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Who's the merchant? We think, always thought, I'm the merchant looking in search of that pearl, which is Jesus. Jesus is telling the story that he's the merchant in search of that great pearl of great value and price. And church, it's us. Amen. It's us. Because you know what he did? It says he discovered a pearl of great value and he sold everything he owned and bought it. There's a man that says, the father bankrupted heaven to purchase you. He went all in to purchase you. Now, no one in their right mind would have bankrupted anything to purchase me. But the father seen a value in us and in, he sees his image. He sees this amazing value. And he says, I'm all in. I see it. I'm going to go sell or buy that property so I can get that treasure. He sees so differently. He sees you as so valuable that he'd be willing to, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in agreement, in unity, go into earth, become like us, and go to a cross and pay the ultimate price for us. That is how amazing and how much value you have to him. That is how much value we have to see in others. Here's what I know. If I don't see the value that he has for me, if I don't see myself as that pearl, I will never see you as that pearl. He says, follow me. This is what Paul said. Follow me as what? As I follow Christ. We have to see how he sees. We have to let him flip it for us. We have to get flipped. So we can flip it and see others the way he sees. Amen? Amen. I want to do something. I'm going to take one more minute of your time, and then I'm going to close up for real. 
if we can all just really be quiet for about a minute of time, I want to challenge you to take a minute. I got this from, uh, we watched a movie, was it last night or two nights ago? Mr. Rogers, you guys remember Mr. Rogers? If you haven't seen that movie, you got to see it. But he did this little thing, I'm going to do a little differently, but I'm going to take a minute, and I want you to begin to just meditate and think of how much the Father values you. And I'm going to ask that he will bring, start bringing these things into your remembrance of the times that he has sold out everything to come and purchase you. To think, begin to meditate on his love for you and how he values you. I'll take one minute of time, and then I'm going to go, go ahead. Starting now. How was that? Did you get any pictures? Did you hear any words? Was he talking to you? Did you have a time with him? Do you see yourself? I pray to God that you see yourself from this point forward, that pearl that's of a high value, because that's the truth. And we must understand that and get that in us so that we can see the rest of the world how he sees The last flip, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. It says, come now, this is God the Father speaking, come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. Let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. That's his word. The ultimate flip. We bring the scarlet and the red, and we're very familiar with it. And he says, let's settle this. You need to see yourself that way. If, if you haven't accepted Christ, if, you, if he hasn't became the king of your life, today's your day. Today's the day of salvation. There's going to be a couple groups of people. You've, you've, either, you've never known him. You've, you said, I didn't know this. He, he left. <laughs> Heaven came and put himself into a physical body to be with us. He united himself with mankind for all eternity. And then he went to a cross and he paid the price for sin and death. And he resurrected so that we would resurrect, so that we in him would be the hope of glory to the world. So that all of our brokenness, sin and shame would be swallowed up in him. And that he would live through us so we could have his joy, his peace, his patience, his mercy, his long suffering. No more brokenness whole, 
restored. No more depression, joy, peace. That's you today. I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just ask you to, to repeat it after me. Or you say, Lord, I've, I've walked with the Lord, and I'm struggling. There could be some things in your life that are, you're seeing as mountains, and they need to be tossed into the sea. And he said that you can do that. We can, we can speak to a mountain and say, be moved. Throw yourself, uproot yourself, and go be tossed into the sea. That's what he wants to do for us today. You can say, Pastor Steve, or maybe you're here, I have a hard time seeing people the way you're saying. I'm with you. I haven't mastered it. But I know who the master is, and I know how it's going to happen. He's going to have to be more alive in me than ever before. I'm going to have to lay down my life and submit to him. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being in unity and agreement that you love me so much that you were willing to bankrupt heaven, take on human flesh, and live this life perfect and spotless. I have not lived this life perfect and spotless. That's why I need you, Jesus. I thank you for doing it for me. I thank you that I'm righteous in your sight. I thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross that cleanses me from all sin. I thank you, Lord, that I am whole in you. I thank you there's no depression in you. I thank you there's no addiction in you. There's no pain in you. There's no hurt. Lord, come into my life. Restore me. Live your life through me. I want to be like you, Jesus. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your joy. And I need your peace. I want to see others like you see me. I want to touch like you touch. I want to speak like you speak. I want to hear how you hear. And your word says it is possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. 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 Church, if you said that prayer and you believe it, the Bible says you are a new creation. You're a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If that is the first time you've ever done that, please see me. Please see Pastor Linda stand up. Pastor David's back there. Wave your hand. Pastor Denise, wave your hand. Tell somebody. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go be Jesus to someone today. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed.